Well, it's another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast after Purdue's 24-7 victory at number 2 Iowa on Saturday. Uh, Purdue plays the role of spoiler maker again. Uh, I believe this is the ninth time that Purdue has beaten a number 2 team in the AP poll when it hasn't been ranked. That's just one of those weird stats that are out there. And of course, you know, it's Purdue's first victory over a top 10 AP team in 47 years uh, when it beat Notre Dame in 1974 and its first victory over a top 10 Big Ten team on the road since 1964 when they won at Michigan. So Purdue exercised Uh, got rid of some losing streaks uh, today uh, at Iowa City and played you know pretty much flawless football uh, for the most part there's never a perfect game in any sport other than a pitcher throwing a perfect game but there there are no perfect games in sports and uh, Purdue did not play uh, a perfect game today, but it, it played. It did what it had to do. You know, it couldn't turn the ball over. It did one time, and it needed to to force turnovers, and it did. You know, on the first possession, it got a tipped interception. It did lead to points, but it it, it changed the momentum. It, it it got Purdue in the game. And gave gave the defense a bunch of confidence. I, I'm not sure the defense needs any more confidence, but it did. And then as you got deeper into the game, Purdue came up with three more turnovers to really cement the the situation. And I mean, there's a lot of a lot of things happened in this game. A lot of moving parts. You know, obviously the number one thing. Um, well, I mean, I you, David Bell. I, you know, is 240 yards receiving, 11 catches. Uh, why why Iowa plays defense the way it does against Bell is is surprising. It's a mystery. You know he's now had you know 37 catches for 558 yards in three games. I mean that's just unheard of. But they, Iowa really doesn't do anything to you know they don't they don't play tight coverage. They play back, and you know Bell and O'Connell just play pitch and catch all day. And it's not, you know, David had a great game. And he had 100 yards after the catch, after having zero against Minnesota. Uh, but, he, you know, he had just a tremendous game. And Iowa just never wants to change how they play David Bell. And I, I don't understand why. And I'm sure a lot of people don't understand why. Uh, but anyway, I mean, he, you know, he got in the end zone late. On a 21-yard touchdown catch, uh, but he was just—he was open all day. He made plays. I think he was targeted 12 times, and he made 11 catches. That's a pretty good percentage in my book and everybody else's book. But you know, he's just—he's a—he's a pure talent. Uh, Purdue definitely will miss him when he's gone, uh, but the other Big Ten teams won't. I mean, he's—he's he's right there in the conversation for Big Ten. Uh, receiver of the year 
and I know there's some really good ones out there. I mean, there are some really good ones out there, but he's right there and will always be right there. But, you know, the other factor in this game was Jeff Brom's, excuse me, plan to use three quarterbacks. And he used three quarterbacks on one drive. You know, the first drive of the game was a 10-plague drive, which ended with a touchdown. But Aiden O'Connell, who was a starter, took six snaps. Jack Plummer took two. Austin Burton took, took two. And there were more drives later in the game where he did the same thing. And it's interesting because of the three quarterbacks, Aiden O'Connell is not considered your your runner. You know, Plummer and Burton are considered your runners. Well, who scores the first touchdown? Aiden O'Connell on a six-yard run. Uh, go figure that one out. But, you know, while, while Plummer and Burton didn't have really any stats to speak of, not like O'Connell had, 30 of 40 for 374 yards and two touchdowns, it's just the idea that they were in the game, I think, kind of threw Iowa for a loop. Uh, now they adjusted, but they had to adjust quickly. Uh, but the one time they didn't was on that uh, that quick option to the short side. Plummer pitched it to King Daru, who got a big game, got him down into the, into the red zone. And so, you know, it... it Jeff Brom was just looking for ways to get his offense scoring touchdowns in the red zone, and he thought this would this was it. Now Purdue scored two touchdowns technically in the red zone. Uh, David Bell's touchdown was uh, 21 yards, so technically not in the red zone, but close enough that you know that storyline can be put on the back burner at least. For for uh, for this week, that doesn't mean it won't pop up again next week against a really good defense in Wisconsin. But you know, Purdue was able to solve some of its red zone issues. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, in this game, which is a which is a positive step forward uh, for for this team heading into the second half of the season. So three quarterbacks, David Bell, obviously major storylines from the game, but. Right there, you know, you kind of have a 1A, 1B, and 1C. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but the defense, it just continues to get better. Now, Iowa's offense is not great. You know, we know that. But it never, you know, Purdue never really let them get going. Now, they had, they had a nice touchdown drive where they mixed in the run, and Tyler Goodson had... I think a 32-yard run in that in that drive, but once Purdue got ahead, they got ahead 14 to seven, got ahead 17 to seven. Iowa could no longer do what it normally does: lean on the running game, short passes, use the tight end, you know, milk the clock, take your time. Well, they had to play hurry up after that, and. Once they had to send receivers out and they couldn't keep everybody in to max max protect, then, you know, Purdue's defensive line kind of took over. 
you know, they, they had one-on-one situations that they were able to take advantage of and put some pressure on Spencer uh, Petrus, and it just kind of threw Iowa's offense out of whack. Um, and so, I mean, I, I just felt like Purdue's defense controlled the game for the most part from start to finish. You know, they got the early interception on the first drive and then forced three and outs and got off the field on third down enough. And, um, you know, they're, they're stuffing the quarterback on two quarterback sneaks. First of all, okay, try one quarterback sneak on third and short. You don't get it. You got to try something else on fourth down. And, you know, Iowa didn't help itself with his play calling. I don't think in that situation. But, you know, Purdue's defense just continues to get better. Now, they're going to face next week uh, an offense that is probably equally as average as Iowa's. Um, So, you know, Purdue's defense has got a chance to, to take control of games. You know, they did today, and I think they have a chance next week. Uh, in part because, you know, the defensive line is just playing so well. And, you know, George Karloftis is the leader of that group, but you got Lawrence Johnson. Branson Dean had a heck of a game today. You know, he had some good numbers. He was he got some great penetration inside there. Um, and they, um, those tackles are doing a great job right now holding up and winning their matchups where it's it's forced teams now you know who who do they have to pay attention to still like to get more out of the other defensive end spot Uh, you know Jenkins had a sack today late Um, and I you know I think secondary uh, again you know Iowa doesn't have uh, you know they don't have a David Bell on their team uh, but you know, I thought the secondary was, you know, played well again. Dedrick Mackey came up with a big open field tackle on, on third down. Uh, you know, they, Iowa was picking on Jamari Brown early in the game. You know, Cam Allen had a pick. Uh, and just, you know, the whole defense is just, it's a completely different team playing defense than the one that played defense last year. And it's all about the attitude. It's all about um, just really cutting these guys loose and letting them play and using their athletic ability to make those plays. And Purdue has some, which, you know, they've shown, they have some they have some players on the defensive side. They have some individual talented players on the defensive side of the ball. And you can start with George and work your way across the defensive line. Now, linebacker, they're probably not as strong as they need to be, but Jalen Graham's had a fantastic year. He, he's a guy that's everywhere. You know, Kieran Douglas, uh, you know, he's going to play well against teams like Iowa and Wisconsin. But as Purdue gets a little bit deeper in their schedule and they're going to face spread teams like Nebraska uh, and Ohio State, you know, they're going to have some issues of playing in space, but when they're playing the the traditional, we're going to line up and run it at you, 
then you know guys like Douglas are gonna are gonna uh, stay in there and, and produce uh, you know decent games for you. But you just you have you, you have to like the way that that defense is playing right now. You know, give up seven points to Iowa. Uh, you know, really they, they they didn't play poorly against Minnesota. Other than you know, you, you are going to give up some big plays. And you got me. Heck, Purdue gave up a big play on the first first play of scrimmage today. You know, what thirty forty yard pass where they were mistackling left and right. So you're going to give up. Play. You're going to give up big plays. It's how you respond to them. It's how you, you know how you bounce back. And you know, I'd say Purdue bounced back pretty, pretty, pretty well today. Oh, <coughs> excuse me. But um, I mean, they're just they're 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 playing solid right now. And I, you know, that's, there, there's still more to be had there. There's still more to come out. And you know, you got to credit the coaching staff for uh, developing these guys, uh, putting them in the right position, and. You know, everybody working together to make to make this defense work. Now, you know, the offense has to catch up, and you know, they t- I think they took some small steps today to try to catch up, and maybe they're still outgaining their opponents. I mean, Purdue won the total yardage battle once again. I think it was four four seventy something to two seventy one. I mean, Purdue has outgained each of its opponents this year. They just haven't scored enough points. And, you know, maybe today's going to be the start of them at least getting into the 20s on a consistent basis. Uh, so, you know, now that Purdue's at the the halfway point of the season at 4-2, and two, and we all thought they would be 4-2 and two at this point, right? In, in a way, most, most people did. Most people thought they would be 4-2 and two at this point. You know, just you got to flip. You just got to flip a couple, couple games there. You know, they thought maybe. Well, they thought beating Minnesota was more of a likelihood than beating Iowa. So, in a way, it really doesn't matter how you arrive at four and two, but Purdue is four and two, and now they start the second half of the season needing two wins to to gain bowl eligibility. But now. Um, there's a little bit of a bigger prize that could be out there, but before I, 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 I wanted to mention this this group before we get into you know more of the the big picture stuff. But I mean the offensive line really played well today from a a, a pass protection standpoint. I mean they they played their best game. I mean O'Connor got sacked once, but I mean if you go back and watch this game and just count one Mississippi, two Mississippi. You're going to come up with a lot of Mississippis that he was standing in the pocket waiting for his receivers to get open or waiting for, you know, going through his progressions. He had all day in, in most cases. He had tremendous time in the pocket. Now, some of that is because I would just rush four, but we've seen Purdue's offensive line crumble a little bit under a four-man rush. You know, and they blitzed a little bit. Purdue picked it up, but you know, I think you give, you give a lot of credit to the offensive line because they they have been under fire all year. They have been criticized uh, this year. You know, Purdue didn't run the ball great today, but it got yards when it needed to, um, and that's that's just kind of how it's going to be. You know, maybe when you get Xander Horvath 
you know, back at uh, back at one of the running back positions, then maybe the running game will will improve a little bit more. Then you can use him and and Derue, you know, back and forth. But you know, the offensive line, you know, did a great job today protecting O'Connell, and you know they, um, you know they 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 earned they earned some credit there today because of how they held up against a, a really good front, against a good Iowa defense, and, you know, they're going to have to do it again next week, but I wanted to make sure I mentioned that because they were an integral part of what Purdue did today on offense, giving O'Connell time, who then could give David Bell time or Payne Durham time or Milton Wright time to get open, and I think that all kind of worked together and blended together and it um, was just, you know, it all just kind of worked today for Purdue from an offensive standpoint. Um, and the other thing, you know, uh, you know, and, you know, and that's that's a good that's a good place for them to to kind of push forward now and see if they can build on that and, and get a little bit more out of the running game from the offensive line, especially in the red zone, and see how that group looks as, as you get through the second half of the season. And the second half of the season, you know, Purdue now, every every team in the Big Ten West has a loss. I think Iowa, Purdue, and Minnesota each have one. So that Purdue's win today opens up a lot of opportunities for a lot of teams. It brings Iowa back to the pack. It helps Purdue in a tie-breaking situation. Um, so that uh, the idea of winning the West now becomes something that is right there in front of them now to win the West in my opinion Purdue would almost have to win out and they're not going to win out they're just not you, know, you still got Ohio State on the road. That's that's a little different than playing Iowa on the road. But a lot of the West teams are going to beat up on each other too. So you know, but you know, Purdue would have lost today. I would say there was absolutely no way they could have been a contender for the West during the last half of the season. But now that they've beaten Iowa, they are right there with everybody else. To be honest, I mean. As I said, the three teams with one loss are there. You've got some teams with two losses. One of those is Wisconsin. And Wisconsin's going to need to beat Purdue to avoid a third loss uh, in the conference. Uh, and if Purdue can get two games up on Wisconsin, you know, obviously will improve their chances. But, you know, this West Division title is going to... Uh, it's going to come down to, you know, a lot of teams fight, fighting for that one position. Um, and Iowa, Iowa can still run away with this thing and hide, you know, because they, they play all Big West teams, Big Ten West teams coming up. Starting today was a stretch of six straight games against the Big Ten West. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, they have... They still got Wisconsin. They still got Illinois. They still got Nebraska. They, you know, 
They still got Minnesota. The list goes on. They they still have all those teams they have to play, and you know they're going to be favored in a lot of those games. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't discount Iowa uh, winning the West right now, and the likelihood of Purdue winning out is not not great. So Purdue's got some losses; it'll probably suffer, uh, but that's that's what that's what this game does. It, it creates a pathway now for Purdue to say, well, you know, maybe maybe the Boilermakers can make a push in that direction. It's probably a lot to ask right now of this team. But, you know, if you get Horvath, you know, back, then you're going to be as full strength as you could be because there, there are some players you're just not going to get back who are out for the year, namely Corey Trice. So it's a long shot. And there's, I mean, there's no question about it. it's a long shot, but now Purdue has has that opportunity, and now they have to pounce on it. And you know, the Jeff Brom that we saw today, as far as his play calling and using three quarterbacks, figuring out. I mean, I don't know if he necessarily needs to continue to play three quarterbacks, although it it did it did work to a certain level. I just think you need the guy that's willing to to take a swing and take a lot of swings. I think he just has to come out, put himself in a mindset of just trying to hit a home run every time. And you're going to swing and miss, but you don't want to, as he said in his post game, he said, well, you don't want to take too many strikes. So you want to be aggressive. He wants to be aggressive. That's who he is. That's how he's built. You know that that's how he's wired. He just needs to continue to do it. And you know when he's locked in like he was today, knowing where those weaknesses are in in that Iowa defense. You know if he can figure the same thing out with Wisconsin's defense and Nebraska's defense and Michigan State's defense and you know all the other defenses they got to play. You know. Purdue's going to be right there. They needed, you know, the offense needed its head coach to to do what he did during the bye week to figure some things out. And, you know, to me, the one takeaway, you know, not just playing three quarterbacks, but being willing to step up there and take a big swing and do something out of the box uh, that helps your team win. And if that's throwing the ball to David Bell 12 times, then you throw the ball to David Bell 12 times. And you just, you ride, you ride the stars. You know, Purdue needed its stars today. David Bell stepped up. George Karloftis stepped up. The quarterback stepped up. Uh, and, that, you know, that's what they needed. That's what they got. You know, they, they got the win. Uh, signature win for them. But... You know they, they they do need to build on it. They de- they do need to come back out next week and you know figure out a way to beat Wisconsin. You know Purdue hasn't beat Wisconsin at Ross Eight Stadium since uh, I want to say 1997, and I think overall they've lost. I'm guessing here. I think it's 12 or 13 in a row total. So they they've got a long losing streak against Wisconsin and. You know, there'll be a sellout crowd next week 
uh, at Rossade. It's been sold out for a while. It's a different starting time. It's 3 o'clock. Uh, you hope you have the same weather in Iowa or at Rossade that you had in Iowa on Saturday. Sunny and cool and great fall weather for football. You know, to be honest, this Wisconsin team doesn't scare you as much as they have in the past. So Purdue should be ready for this. They should be uh, locked in. You get Jeff Brom locked in on a game plan for the offense, then I think, you know, good things good things are happening. But Purdue, need, Purdue needs to take advantage of this. Last time they beat Ohio State you know, the number two team and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they went up to Michigan State and didn't didn't play particularly well, but got got physically outmatched. Michigan State's defense physically intimidated Purdue and didn't let them run their routes, you know, really play tight coverage on them, and Purdue just struggled all day offensively. Um and we'll see what Wisconsin does. But, you know, Purdue just needs a good showing next week. They need to build off this in, in some capacity. And, you know, and push their team forward, push their program forward. You know, you know, I always thought that this year might bring an Ohio State-type moment uh, to this team. Just based on, you know, their personnel and, uh, you know, the type of players that they have and what they're trying to do. And, you know, and I, I didn't know if it'd be Iowa. I thought it might, I thought it might have, I thought it might be Wisconsin. Uh, but, you know, regardless, you know, it happened today. And, you know, Purdue, Purdue's now going to be the toast of the nation in a way. They're going to be whatever brand chip name there is out there team of the week David Bell is going to be national player of the week in some categories so Purdue's going to get the pats on the back this week and now uh, we've seen how they handle adversity and losing a game they thought they should have won now we'll see them handle winning uh, and coming off a big victory against Iowa well we appreciate you stopping by for uh, the podcast as we travel back from Iowa City, head east uh, to get a head start uh, Sunday morning on getting back home. Uh, anyway, this podcast is, was brought to you by. Yeah, see, we don't, we still don't have a sponsor. How can that be? Still don't have a sponsor. But anyway, keep fighting, keep fighting, and keep keep trying. One day, maybe. Maybe they're waiting for me to retire, and then we'll have a sponsor for the new person. Always a possibility. Appreciate you stopping by. Questions, concerns, comments, reach out, email, Twitter, DM, however. Use your choice of communication to reach me, and I'm not that hard to find. All right, we'll, uh, we'll preview the Wisconsin game coming up uh, during the week. Try to get some tidbits from those that cover the Badgers and see what we can expect next Saturday at Ross State Stadiums. Until then, have a good day and thanks for stopping by.